All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 185 of the DFO Rundown, the Friday the 13th edition, Connor McDavid's 26th birthday edition. I'm Jason Greger, Frank Saravalli. Frank, how are you? Jay, I'm doing good. Uh, the heart of trade deadline season feels like all I do all day is chase rumors and info, but uh, such is life at this time of year. Well, uh, hey, let, why don't we start off? Any uh, anything juicy you've been uncovering? Uh, any any name or any any team interest that uh, we should be closely watching? Well, before we start off, I need to tell you that episode 185 of the DFO Rundown is brought to you by Athletic Brewing. Dry January can be scary. Hey, I know, especially in a long, dark winter. This year, it's simple. Athletic Brewing has everything you need with their lineup of craft, non-alcoholic beers delivered right to your doorstep. I'm on day 13. It's January 13th. And just the other night, played some shinny with the boys at the rink. Uh, Afterwards, was able to crack open an athletic brew that I bought and didn't miss a beat. So these are truly a game changer. Don't believe me? Use promo code FRANK20 for 20% off your first purchase at athleticbrewing.ca until January 31st, and give dry a try. Better yet, snap a photo of you enjoying an athletic brew this dry January and tag Daily Faceoff for a chance to win a signed jersey. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all faceoffs, fit for all times. Now, did, did any of your, were any of your buddies interested? Did they say, hey, give me one. I want to try it. Yeah, actually they did. They're like, I, I want to see what it tastes like. Well, and, and that's the thing about this. It actually really tastes good. So um, there's no like funky aftertaste or anything like that. It kind of tastes like almost what beer, sh- all beer should taste like. It was like, it's like crisp and there's a refreshingness to it. I mean, look, any beer, I don't care what it is after hockey tastes good. This, uh, this tastes really good. All right. Okay. There's like, we, we could do like a whole kind of, uh, rankings of like the best kinds of beers, like just got off a beach beer or just finished playing hockey beer or post nap beer. Uh, put the kids down for sleep beer. Like there's a million rankings. And I got to tell you the the post hockey beer is, is always one of the best. And so the fact that you can do it and stay in dry January is pretty awesome to me. I would agree with you. Uh, 
men's league shinny whatever it is uh that beer uh slow pitch in the uh, summertime Ooh. is is another one that is uh the on course beer like there's a like it, it never, I, I bet. Uh, so I was talking to Tyler the other day. He, he curls the, the on rank beer has to be awesome. Um, I don't know. Like you could, Friday it'd be so work. fun to compile yeah. a list Friday after work when you know you're done. And then the weekends there, oof. Like I remember when I now maybe it's different now that I'm you know married. Although my wife and I, we have pizza Fridays. And we have pizza and, and usually I have like a beer or something, and I'm just like, oh yeah, it tastes great. But man, when you were young and I was going out like Friday night, we used to have buddies come over to our house. I had a house off of uh, White Ave, which is kind of like a you know party strip in Edmonton. And I lived there and over, I lived in that house for six years and over six years, I think I had like eight different roommates, lots of buddies. And they would live there until guys got married and then they would move out. And every Friday night, man, for probably five years, people, guys would just show up with like cases of Corona or whatever else would sit out. We always used to have the coolers outside and we would play croquet through the front and backyards. And oh, so awesome. And just plus 25 out in the summertime, man. Tarps are off. You're just like, this is unreal. And just crushing beers. God, I miss that. Yeah, I felt so Canadian calling it shinny, but I didn't know what else, because it's not men's league. We're not in the league. No. But same idea. It's just a bunch of us got together the other night and had a good skate, threw sticks in the middle, and that was it. Oh, yeah. It's like pick up hockey. It's the best. That Yeah, that, that that's probably a more appropriate term than shinny, which is not, it's not a proper American term. No, well, yeah, Shinny's great. Like, yeah, you go play Shinny, man. If, I love it. I, you know, I, I get my hockey fix from coaching, so I'm on the ice with the kids and stuff. But it's not. Hey, no offense to the kids. It's uh, it's the dressing room atmosphere. Like even when you play men's league, anybody who's like young guys or getting into men's league, they're done their junior or college careers. The number one thing you need in men's league, Frank, is a good room. Because the game itself is almost second nature. If you don't have a good bunch of guys where you look forward to just hanging out before the game, like I remember when we had a good team, you'd want to get to the game an hour before just because you wanted to BS. It was way better. So it's, that's that's the key of any successful men's league team is ensuring that you have a good room. It's really funny you said that because I was reading one of my old stories. I came across it today online, and I was reading some quotes from Yarmir Yager, and it was – his last all-star game in 2017, I think, no, 2016, the John Scott all-star game. Cause I was okay. doing some research and it's still kind of mind blowing to think about everything as we get to the NHL fan vote, what happened with John Scott. And we'll talk about that in one second. Cause I wanted to bring that up as a refresher for everyone, but Yarmir Yager said the reason he was still playing is, is because of the room because mm -hmm. they had Peter Laviolette, when he played for the Flyers, had a, a question for the team in a team meeting. And he said, if I could bring the Stanley Cup in this locker room right now and give it to you, would you take it? And Yager's answer was no. He said, the whole part of winning it isn't just because it's not the Stanley Cup. It's not the trophy that that you're playing for. It's everything that went into the trophy, the journey, the teammates, the fun, the laughs, the beers, whatever it is. That's what makes it fun. So the idea of just etching your name onto the Stanley Cup, that's not actually really what anyone's playing for. No. And I thought that was such an interesting perspective, you know, seven, seven years after he said it, I was like, damn, I wish I keyed in on that more in that moment yeah no it makes sense 100 percent. and it's uh you know the just and and the hanging out the camaraderie um obviously you know when it comes to pro hockey it's you know it's as a group bonding and winning but even in you know in, in men's league whatever team you play on you know what you guys don't try super hard maybe at times in the regular season but all of a sudden you get to the playoffs and guys are back checking right it's just changes because you want to win when the games matter a little bit more and um I think there's a recognition that everyone can't be on their game every night for all 82. And the idea yeah. is that you got to pick someone else up. Mm -hmm. You're going to have your bad game. You're going to make your mistake at some point that hopefully your teammates are there to pick you up in that moment. Yeah. Well, hey, speaking, speaking of teammates, I was going to say, speaking of teammates picking each other up, how about Quinn Hughes in Vancouver? 
you know, yeah, base. Hey, it's like now his comment for anybody who didn't uh, who didn't hear it last night. Quinn Hughes was, you know, Tanner Pearson is now out for the season, and Quinn Hughes says, "I hope he'll be all right." That ha- that wasn't handled properly, and you're just like, "Pardon?" And so players usually know the extent of injuries more than than what's publicly out there. And I get it; it's you know, it's kind of personal on on what the uh, the injury is. But you know, Strutty said the other day on our show, Frank. He goes, the Vancouver Canucks right now seem to be like the most dramatic organization. There's just lots of stuff going on around it, whether it's, you know, trading, you know, JT Miller was public and, and JT Miller and Delia. And then they talked about that for quite a bit. And, and then you have now Quinn Hughes and Pearson, you have Oliver Ekman, Larson, healthy scratch, which isn't, you know, that happens. Guys get scratched every now and then. I know it's a big story because it's a veteran with a big contract, but it's just like, Drama seems to follow that organization right now. It's a soap opera. That's really yes. what it is. It's a daily soap opera. It's one thing after the other, after the other. And you know what? I blame ownership and management because I think it starts and stops with them. If you create an environment this year where there's the theater of the bazaar, when everyone knows that your coach is going to get whacked and he's made comments sort of through the media, like, this has gone on since like the third week of the season. And even before that, even entering camp, I think there was drama with, you know, the fact that JT Miller was signed before Bo Horvat. I think that's when the real drama started this season and it's lingered on. And every day there's been something else there's been, and it's not the market. I refuse to accept that. Oh, people say, Oh, Everyone in Vancouver gets gets twisted over every little minute detail. And I, I just don't think that's the case. I don't think it's any different than five other markets in the National Hockey League. And when you look at this play out, they've had a chance to nip a few of these things in the bud. And instead, they've just let it swirl. And I don't know. Maybe they're doing that because they figure the more drama there is, the better chance we get to bottom out and get a better draft pick this year. I don't know what their line of thinking is. All I know is that it's continued on for a long time. And when you have someone like Tanner Pearson, who undergoes a third procedure on the same injury in the same season and still hasn't come back and played a game for what was supposed to be a week to week injury. And then a teammate comes out and says, that wasn't handled properly and finishes it with, I hope he's going to be all right. As you said, the players always know more information than the general public. And it's just like when Mitch Marner came out earlier this season and said, man, the first thing you think of with Jake Muzzin is his family. You could bank on it right then. Almost. You would have placed a bet. I would have that Jake Muzzin would be done for the season, if not his career. Now, you probably have the same question about Tanner Pearson. And when you look at it, you know, as Bruce Boudreaux said, he's on the wrong side of 30, essentially, and you've taken a whole year away from him for a guy that already struggled to start with one goal and and four assists. How does that work out? So it's just, it's been a revolving tire fire this season. And I would agree with you, Frank, that it's not the market because, you know, hey, Canucks fans are passionate, right? Uh, obviously, they're, they're frustrated at times. You know, they're, they're an organization that hasn't won a Stanley Cup. So, you know, and they've gotten close, right? They've had the heart broken a few times in game seven of the Stanley Cup final, which is brutal. But, um, you know, Vancouver for a long time in the 2000s, like they were one of the best teams in the NHL. Right. When you had Sedin and Luongo, those guys, they were winning lots. It was great. They just didn't win a cup, but they're a competitive team. But you look at Montreal, you look in Toronto, any Canadian market, really, for the most part, if you know, you can have the odd story that that pops up and, and maybe it gets overblown at times. But in Vancouver, like I can't think of Toronto and you know, you know, Toronto. Oh, yeah, they haven't had success because they haven't won in a playoff. They had a little recently. bit of it this year. Remember, there was the comments back and forth, Sheldon Keefe, and, you know, then he had to step back and apologize and walk back what he Which said. Which I didn't think he had to, right? Yeah, that, there, yeah, there have been problem. definitely some weird moments to start this year, sort of Vancouver-esque. But this has gone on for a long time. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Like one peaks up every now and then, but I look at Toronto, look at like Montreal's terrible, right? They've had lots, you know, lots of things, but they don't have anything of soap opera-ish that's continuing to pop up. Like to me, it's become somewhat of a, 
of a trend almost in Vancouver that you go a few weeks and then, Oh, what's the new drama in Vancouver? And, and trust me, there's been other teams. Ottawa's lost a lot. Edmonton's lost a lot in the two thousands. It's not Calgary. just the losing. Yes. Rachel exactly. Dowery off the ice, the complaint that she made her abrupt departure from the team. Um, you, you look at, um, how about this week? There was open speculation about Rick Tockett and the fact that the Canucks had met with him somewhat recently. Like you're interviewing coaches while you have a coach coach out the string. The what? Canucks like the, they've you know, let the, Bruce Boudreaux dangle on a rope for yeah. since the third week of the season and have basically been like, yeah, tough. You know, this is how things went in our negotiation. And now you're you you're gonna play it out. The Canucks are every not everybody, but some people you've had a friend in your life, guys or girls, it doesn't matter who, who is just like a drama king or a drama queen. And that's what they are. And that's who the Canucks are of the NHL. <laughs> I'm gonna that's steal they are. A, I'm gonna steal a term from my wife. She calls them drama salamis. That's, that's exactly. <laughs> That's exactly that's, what it is. That's uh, that's exactly what the Canucks have been this year. And you know what? You mentioned how competitive and successful they were. Let's just focus on the ice for a second. Competitive and successful they were for the bulk of the early 2000s, uh, getting culminating in that 2011 Stanley Cup final. They've been chasing it ever since. And they've been, while part of that's admirable in their spend and their desire to win and all those things, they just keep papering over the same mistakes and making the same ones over. And it, and you know what? I said this on Vancouver radio earlier this week, when you do it through multiple regime changes, to me, that signals an issue at the top in ownership, because if that's the mission and mandate that you're providing your general managers or your president of hockey ops, well, then they have no choice but to try and execute to your wishes. And what you end up with is a cat chasing its tail, throwing good money after bad and trying to consistently ice a roster every year that's trying to make the playoffs when they're not really in the playoff mix. And even if they were to get in, no one would view them as a real contender. So let's bring it to the deadline. We're now 50 days away. How big of a swing do you like this weekend is the Canucks pro and amateur scouting meetings in Florida. I think it's the most significant week in Canucks franchise history over the last two decades. So what chart, what, what path do they chart forward here? Are they actively going to be plucking off pieces from this group? And, and how deep do you go? If the answer is yes. I don't have any reason to believe at this point that they're going to change their approach and do something different than what they've done over the last 10 years until they say it or go out and do it. Cause all they've done to this point is resist that R word, whatever you call it, rebuild, retool, reimagine, come up with whatever slogan you want. They've resisted it and fought it at every turn. And so you look, Bull Horvat obviously is the big name, but you know, Kuzmenko, like, Guy, he's a cheap cap hit, Frank. So teams would love to add the guy. The guy can produce. There's no question about it. Those are the two big, uh, you know, UFAs. Now Luke Shen, another. I think teams love those type of defensemen to to be acquired at the deadline. So I think he would definitely have some uh, some interest around the NHL. So those are the three UFAs they have. But then do they look bigger and, and make a, another trade? It, but the thing is, Frank, can you do that? Uh, to me, at the deadline, the ownership has to know, okay, what's our plan moving forward? I don't believe you can have certain people run the trade deadline and then fire them seven weeks later at the end of the regular season. So I don't, but they're new. Are you talking about Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin? Yeah, like I don't think they're going, but you've heard that rumor. And to me, I haven't heard that rumor, to be honest. Um if that's the case, what an enormous, like, let's just play that theory out for a second. What an enormous terrible. screw up it is to have them basically be on in the role for a calendar year. And then what go in another direction? Yeah. Like, like they shouldn't, but you've me, now, what? you've now set this team back further. And, and a lot of it, in, it revolves around the idea of 
the fact that they re-signed JT Miller. Well, can't they? Tra- they technically could still trade him, right? With well, they could. Consent. So he his first off, Until I don't think July it's going to be an first, issue. Right? But that's his, when his, his no move clause. Yeah, yeah it'd be so hard. Don't get me wrong. He but. gets the power on July 1st. Yes. So you, you have it until then. But I, I mean this in a totally sincere way. And people on social media were coming after me saying, oh, he's one of the most dominant players in the league last year. What are you talking about? That contract and that term, we've seen a huge drop off uh, for JT Miller this season. He had a statistical outlier year last year, 99 points career high well when you look at it this time around it's still a good season but it's a sub point per game season and he turns the the contract didn't kick in yet he turns 31 before the end of the first year of the deal yeah like jt miller prior to last year frank had been a point of game player once Right. And that's when he had the 72 points in, in 69 games. Other than that, he's never scored even 60 points in, in a year. So, but you know, JT it's, it's more right? than that. He's not really a center. He's really actually a winger. Yes. Like, you know what? Now in today's NHL, you look, he, he's on pace again for 70 points, which is a good season. Don't get me wrong. Uh, like I said, good season, not, not at that con, not at that cap hit, not at that term. Okay. So I ask you the question though Bo Horvat's year this year. Is it not basically identical to what JT Miller did last year? A statistical outlier? It is a statistical outlier. And I broke a lot of this down. I did a full in-depth scouting report, comparable trait, the whole nine yards, projected contract, everything for, for Bo Horvat. There's two differences. One, Bo Horvat's a lot younger. And two, he's also a legitimate center. And so... Yes. I think part of the issue with, with Bo Horvat is teams are looking at, to your point, his goal total and saying how much of this is repeatable. And they're saying, at least the teams that I talked to for this story, they said, they think the power play specialist part of his game, his role as a net front scorer And in that uh, occasionally in that bumper spot, he that's repeatable. But they look at the even strength scoring, and he's on track for 40 even strength goals this year. They say that part is not. That's a huge bump in shooting percentage, and they recognize and understand the changes that Adam Oates has made in his game and fully appreciate it, but they don't think Bo Horvat is a consistent 60-goal scorer moving forward. There's no history to suggest that. Nonetheless, Bo Horvat's getting paid. Like fat, it's fact. The projection we used was eight times eight point two five. Do you scoff at that, or do you think that's reasonable? Yeah, I think that's probably what. I, I won't be surprised if that's the number he gets. Right? Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't surprise me, especially if there's the announcement that the salary cap's going up by three mil instead of the you know the, the smaller. Like if they are able to to average over the next three years, Frank, that, that was talked about here a few weeks ago. Then, uh, and I definitely think that's the case. So the Canucks are always interesting. Now, one team, Frank, that I uh, think but here, here uh, let's wrap the Canucks. I just want to say this: How crazy do, would you get? Like, would you be considering trading Thatcher Demko at this deadline? No. Would Would you consider like the the obvious targets? Brock Besser, Bo Horvat, Luke Shen, as you mentioned, maybe potentially Andre Kuzmenko. Although I think. In an ideal world, they'd probably like to keep him. Um, yeah. I just want to know how crazy you'd get. Like, would you can would you consider Quinn Hughes? Like, to me, if you're going to do any of those things, I think you wait until the summer. Yes. Because what's the point to trade Thatcher Demko now? The goalie market isn't huge. Unless LA is like, oh, we need Thatcher Demko. Like, we're going to... We're going to give you everything you want, plus plus. Maybe. But... Nah. You know what you do? If you trade Thatcher Demko, you, you might as well just go scorched earth. Um, because if you don't have a goal, if you don't have consistent goaltending today's NHL, you have a very limited chance to win. Continually. But that's what everyone wants in that market. They're like, we need this. We actually have to tear it down. I've never seen a fan base so excited to, for a scorched earth rebuild. 
Uh, yeah. See, that's why I've said all along. Vancouver to me is in purgatory, Frank, because I don't believe like you got Quinn Hughes, you got Pedersen, you got Kuzmenko, you got Demko. Now Horvat, who knows? JT Miller's still a really good player. You know what? We we can talk about if it, you know, is he slightly overpaid? Maybe, but he's still a really good player. Like they could they improve their defense? Yes, but we can say that about a lot of teams. Like to 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 go scorched earth for Vancouver means they would have to make significant deals to go scorched earth. I think they'd be better off saying, let's try to, be, let's take our summer as an organization and remove the drama. Because if you look in life, I don't care what your job is, when there's that much drama and uncertainty around you, and there's always, you don't play as well. You don't function as well as a human being. And that has to be Vancouver. They have to do an internal review to say, what can we do to eliminate the drama? Okay. They don't need to be Jersey Shore for frick's sakes. And that's basically what they look like. They're a reality show for all the wrong reasons. And that needs to change because if that doesn't change, a rebuild is just going to pile on. It's like the people, Frank, that are in a tough relationship. Things aren't going well. Oh, you know what? We're going to have a kid because that's going to make us love each other better. <sighs> Are you freaking kidding me? That's the worst decision. And so that's, Vancouver has to fix their problem, which is drama, rather than act. And sure, they can improve their defense, all that stuff. But until they improve that aspect of their organization, I don't care if they go score church or not. It's not going to change. Okay. I want to ask you one question, and I've been thinking about this for a long time. Which team makes the playoffs first, the Flyers or the Canucks? Because I think they are mirror images of each other. Ooh. I still think Vancouver has more talent top to bottom. Two very proud organizations who aren't afraid to spend, that want to be competitive, have an expectation in their marketplace to be competitive. It's really kind of all they've known for a long time. And yet both are too proud, I, the way I see it, to, to take it down to the studs. I mean, here's the thing about the Flyers, and you can... I get what you're saying, and I would tend to agree with you. I just want to play devil's advocate. When you compare Hughes and Pedersen and Demko to Hart, and this is the thing about the Flyers with Couturier and whoever else you want to pick, Kevin Hayes, or whether Konechny's having it. Konechny's having by far the best season of his career. He's been unbelievable on track for 90 points. Mm -hmm. um, they like. They'd have a lot of work to do to get to the floor. And I don't know. It, it just, it feels like both teams are just resist. They're fighting it as hard as they can. And they're not good enough with these guys. Why would they be better if they kept if they kept them? Yeah. Hey, maybe you got to make a hockey trade there that uh, helps it out. But, uh, you know, I feel for Canucks fans because if they want scorched earth, Basically, looking at, and I've said this, Frank, it's eight years. Don't fool yourself into thinking it's a quick rebuild. But anyway, I I've, talked to a, I've talked to a bunch of Flyers players in the last few weeks that were saying, like, hey, we're going to be way better once we get Sean Couturier back and Cam Atkinson back. Oh, of course. And I was like, I don't know about that. Well, I think they'll be better for sure. Way better, maybe, is, is a reach, but better. Yeah. Um. Hey, speaking of being better, Frank, it's now January 13th. The Colorado Avalanche, I understand they got injuries, but Chicago didn't have Patrick Kane last night and Colorado still lost to them. The Avalanche are struggling. Now, um, Nachushkin and, and Landeskog, my understanding, uh, reading up on the Colorado beat guys, they're not close, but Bowen Byram has done some light skating. Uh, Josh Manson is going to skate uh, again. So they're getting close at least. But how concerned are you about the abs? Like, look at, you know, they lost to Florida uh, the other day. Florida hasn't been playing uh, overly great. They lost to the Canucks recently. They lost to Arizona. You know, they got spanked by Toronto, lost to LA, lost to Vegas. They did have the one win uh, in overtime against uh, Edmonton. But, you know, like this is the defending Stanley Cup champions. And even with... The injuries, they still got some pretty elite players. Are you surprised that, that the struggles of the Avs have extended this long? I am, and I take my cue from their coach and Jared Bednar, who last week, what he said to me was incredibly eyebrow-raising. He said, 
I hope we're not relying on the success of last year to think that that's going to, I'm paraphrasing, going to carry us through and just magically get us into the playoffs this year. That even with the injuries that all of a sudden everyone's just going to jump back on board and it's going to be some magic carpet ride to the top of the central division standings like that doesn't happen. And the fact that he voiced it publicly, like here's the other part about the injuries. Yeah. They've been asking their players, their stars to do a lot that have been there. Kale McCarr and what he shouldered this year, three consecutive games this week with 30 plus minutes. He hasn't had the same point production because he can't expend himself the way that he used to. He needs to be efficient because he's out there so much and is is doing so much that this isn't new, these injuries. Like they've lingered since October, November. Like to think that you know the abs have been shorthanded all season long and yet this is still an issue. Maybe they're running out of gas because they've been asked to do so much. But when he said that, I was like, ooh, that to me was a big red flag. Well, and I know people always talk about, well, the apps have games in hand. It's true they have games in hand. But when you have like, you know, four or five games in hand, and now we're into the second half of the season, yeah, you play those games, but you're going to be playing them in more of a condensed time frame. So it, it helps you in one essence, but it also means you're going to be playing more games in a short period of time. So the fatigue factor that potentially is already there for your elite players might be heightened because now you're playing more threes and fours and back-to-back games over the next while. And that like, they obviously really need Manson and Bo Byron. That, you know, that's their second yes. pair and, and and that's been crushed. And I think they have, I still believe even without Laniscog and Nichushkin, which are two big losses that they still have enough offense. I really think they missed that pair. And the fact that those two are the closest to returning, that's probably a good sign for Colorado, but like they just lost to Chicago. Chicago had 10 wins, 10 going into last night and they beat him in regulation and Chicago now- has wreaked havoc on the West wildcard this week. They had a big win uh, over St. Uh, Calgary on Sunday. Uh, it's just wacky to the West wildcard is in Chicago's hands. Yeah, no, it's funny. But then you look at Ottawa, Ottawa has been a really good team here for the last two months. That's not an easy game on, on Saturday. And then, you know, Detroit, who knows, but uh, you know what? We'll see. Then they got a quick three and four game road trip in Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle and Seattle. We got to get to them in a second. Just how ridiculous they're playing. Like before those guys come back, because if they just start skating, Frank, that's still at least a week. Right. If you just started skating, like because there's a difference that they mean skating on their own for a few weeks and then they start skating with their teammates. Well, that means they could maybe be a few days away. But if you just start skating, that's probably at least a week for those guys. And, you know, I've got a series of questions for you. Yeah. On a one to 10 scale, what is your level of concern that the Colorado Avalanche will miss the playoffs? Like I'm, they're the defending champs that you mentioned McCarr and McKinnon and Rantanen's being unreal. So I, I still, I, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because of who they are and what their track record is. So it's still probably only a three or a four. But okay. if this this recent streak where I think they're like they're they're in ninth, yeah, like I'm gonna say it's a five, five, okay, like I have a four, but it I'll say that like Frank within a week or two it could heat up because even when they come back, it doesn't guarantee that they're suddenly now maybe that uh, are they capable of it yes, but it doesn't mean it'll happen that they suddenly go like ten and two or nine and three. They could. That's a funny thing though. They they actually could reel off thirteen wins and no one would blink. Well, there. That's the thing. That's why they're I'm that still, good. But it is, you know, it's way more eyebrow raising than I thought it would be for the. I Alex. agree. I but they, given what they've lost, I think they've kind of hung tough. So, I'm I'm halfway on the on the Richter scale. Okay, question number two. Both Nashville and St. Louis started 2023 calendar year on pretty good runs. Both of them were four and one entering Thursday night, and both of them ended up losing in regulation. The Preds to Montreal, the the Blues to Calgary. So question number two is of St. Louis and Nashville, who are both now suddenly again after being left for dead knocking on the door of the West wild card. Does one 
both or neither of these teams get in? Well, I still think Colorado catches them. So, or passes them. So that, that means then they would have to. Colorado's technically leading that in points percentage. Well, they're tied with tied with Nashville. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to say neither. I agree, but I was surprised. Like it's so hockey. Like it is peak hockey that O'Reilly and Tarasenko are out of the lineup, and those teams that team goes four and one. Yeah, I told you. We said, hey, you look at the at the Blues. They the Pittsburgh Penguins are the poster boys for doing this year after year. Remember when Crosby and Muck, Crosby was getting hurt all the time, unfortunately. Well, not all the time, but he had those concussion and whiplash issues for basically parts of three straight seasons. And Malkin's like, okay, I'll step up. And then if Jenny Malkin's, you know, missed 20 games here or there and other guys, and then they just step up and they've done it for like, not once time. They've done it almost every year, or every second year. It's crazy. So, so we've seen a respected team. I was going to say a respected team executive texted me the other day and said, not only do they think that David Poyle in Nashville is not going to sell now, but he also thinks if Nashville gets in, they're going to be a tough out. What do you make of that? We like when I said left for dead, we were already picking at the carcass on the trade deadline front as sellers for both St. Louis and Nashville. Well, UC Saros makes them can make him a hard out. I think he's that good. I put him in the top five goaltenders and that helps you. But the reason why I don't agree with that, I don't think that Nashville in the NHL today where offense reigns, I don't think they have the game breakers offensively. Like Roman Yossi is really good, but he's a defenseman. And when I put them up, whether they're making a wild card or they're going up against the other teams, you know, they, they don't have the elite offensive guys. Like everybody had a career year. It seemed in Nashville last year, Frank, you know, Duchesne, like I like Philip Forsberg. I really like him as a player, but I don't put him. He's not a McKinnon or a Rantanen, right? I, I don't think he's a Kaprizov. But that's why I, I would give I honestly, the Preds the advantage over the Blues. I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a Jordan Bennington believer. Okay. So you could argue that varying parts parts of the blues are better structured, better depth than the Preds. But I, I don't know. I, if I were to, if I had to pick one of the two to get in, I would say Nashville and Mike McKenna on our show the other day was arguing St. Louis. Well, the blues are giving up, man. Aren't they like <laughs> seventh or eighth most goals against per game? I got to look it up again, but I it's know high, and their goal differential is pretty high. Minus 18. Yeah. yeah so, um, okay. So I got a I third question for you. To be honest, because Colorado is going to pick up and look at Edmonton's schedule the next month. I, okay. Perfect segue. So here's my next question. My third and final question for you is who had the more impressive must win game this week? Calgary against St. Louis after blowing a multi-goal lead against the Blues in the same city two nights earlier, or Edmonton blowing the doors off of Anaheim after an embarrassing loss to the LA Kings? I'm going to say the Flames because they played a tougher opponent, right? Like you played an opponent that's right on your heels in in the wall card. Now, it wasn't as convincing of a win from start to finish because I think their opponent had something to do with that. Edmonton, I give them full marks because sometimes people, they like to mock, uh, you know, when you play a team you should beat, and then when you beat them, everybody, wow, they just beat them. Yeah, but you can't critique them. You can't have it both ways. Yeah. If you're supposed to beat them and then you beat them handily, like Edmonton had 53 shots. The game was never in doubt. You know, the the refs, Frank, you know, when a game's out of hand is when the officials are refusing to call penalties against the team in the lead because they've dominated the game so much in the third period. It was, it was circa 2002 when you were water skiing on guys and the refs just didn't want to call penalties against the ducks. So they didn't. Right. So, and that's fine. The game was out of hand, although I don't love it, but still the game's out of hand. So, but that illustrates to me how dominant the refs like, like this right now is a bloodbath. I don't want to make it worse. So I'm not going to call any penalties. So I, I give them full marks, but, and maybe it's like Edmonton has done that. And then they'll soil the sheets the next game. So I'm still going to go was with the- Calgary. This was the best sign of life I saw for the Ed- Edmonton Oilers in a while. And it's not just because they won, but I think it's the way they lost in LA getting beaten at your own game on the special teams, 
the four penalty kill goals that you allowed, not scoring on the power play, McDavid mostly silenced. I just, you know, we've talked about, and we'll get into the Kraken in a second, but we've talked about season-defining road trips. And I think for the Oilers who entered the game against the Ducks on the outside looking in of the playoffs on points percentage, they were 10th in the West. I just think that was an important, hey, we're here. We're still here. We're 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 gonna try and figure this thing out. And Calgary has had a couple of those moments, but for Calgary, after some pretty shoddy goaltending, the Flames actually aren't playing bad. That's the thing. When you watch the game, they dominated a large stretch of Tuesday night's game against the Blues. They had a multi-goal lead, and and I don't think this is a team that's choking it away that all of a sudden is uncomfortable with a lead. When your goalie serves up a rebound that's a deep dish, I'm sorry, like you got it, like it has to be better. And that to me is the tale of the flame season. Has everything been perfect? You know, has Jonathan Huberto acclimated as quickly as everyone's wanted him to? No. Have they missed Oliver Shillington in a top four role? Yes. Has Mackenzie Weger been perfect since he's been acquired? No. But Jacob Markstrom's gone from a 922 to an 893. That's enough to sink a season. It is. Mm -hmm. And I think they've managed that just okay. Not great, but enough to, if they can figure some of it out, be dangerous. Yeah, see, there's two things at play for Edmonton that have really improved, even though the results haven't been there. Their, uh, Their starts are infinitely better. In the last 20 games, Edmonton has the most. They've outscored teams 28-13 in the first period. They've got the most first period goals by a lot. They've come out. They've played better. The problem is, Frank, they're only 5-5-2. Five, five, and two. They still have had the mental lapses. And the other thing is, in the last 20% of their season, the, uh, the, the uh, Oilers are tied now with the Bruins and the Islanders for third fewest goals against 5-on-5. Five five. That was their, after their, like, their goals against was killing them. And they've shown signs now of it. Now, the L.A. game, of course, their penalty kill was absolutely awful. And that cost them the game because a rare night for their power play to shoot blanks. But Edmonton's actually shown a lot of signs. And if you look at their schedule, their schedule up until I think it's February 15th, Frank, they play 10 teams that are out of the playoffs. They play Tampa Bay on the second half of a back-to-back, which is a tough one because you go from Vancouver to Edmonton when you lose an hour. And then they play Seattle, and the Kraken will get to them in a second, but it's their ninth game in ninth different cities. It's basically at the end of a nine-game road trip, and I know they're on fire at the start of this trip. Eventually, you'll get a little tired on a road trip. So the schedule maker out of the outside of the game in Vegas on tomorrow night, the schedule maker has basically said, here, Oilers, here's a platter. We're serving you an opportunity to go on a run. Now it's up to them to do it. If they do it, they'll go into the trade deadline with lots of confidence, and Ken Holland might maybe even make some bigger swings. But I think the next month, don't be surprised if Edmonton goes on a run because the schedule maker has set up for them perfectly. Oh, that's what made the L.A. loss that much more demoralizing was this team has played the fewest Pacific Division games of any Pacific Division team, and you've got to win your division games. and. So we we called it season, potentially a season-defining road trip for the Oilers. And we said the same thing for the Kraken. Remember we went into this, we were saying, just win four of them or something like that, and they're going to be in fine mathematical shape to make the playoffs. How about thumping the Oilers 5-2, 5-1 over the Leafs, 8-4 over the Sens, 4-0 over the Canadians, 4-3 over the Sabres, and handing... The Boston Bruins, their first loss in regulation on home ice, including the Winter Classic, on Thursday evening in Beantown. The Kraken, welcome to the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs. Frank, here's some numbers for the Kraken. On it's It was essentially, you know, it's a seven-game road trip, right? They've played the first six. They're 6-0. and oh. They've outscored teams 29 to 10, 29, 10. They've only allowed five goals against five on five on the road trip. That's it. 
Like they are absolutely crushing teams. And you mentioned Boston, like they never lose at home. Buffalo was good. You know, they, they beat Montreal for fun. They, they didn't just them. win. They, they won yeah. handily. Yeah. They've won by three goals, four goals, four goals, four goals, one and three goals. So not even close games. So Seattle Kraken, this is, this is unreal. This is almost unprecedented for me. Like to start a road trip six and zero and outscore teams twenty nine to ten. I'd love to call my buddies at the NHL stats. When was the last time that happened? And now they got Chicago on tomorrow night. Now I know they just beat the Avalanche, but come on. If there was ever a game that I'd be like, okay, here we go. I'll put something down. It's going to be the uh, the Blackhawk. Then they come home. They play Tampa. Then they got to go play Edmonton on the second half of back to back. And that's where I go back to that schedule maker. Like the schedule makers gifted Edmonton if they want it to uh, to win some games. But Seattle, Frank. I have to admit, like, if you're Ron Francis now, my question to you, do you add at the deadline or do you just remain status quo? I think you play it. Yeah, I think you you try and add around the edges. You you try and find marginal upgrades. They have some cap flexibility. They have assets. Um, they have two extra second round picks that they could deploy. But they're going to be a playoff team regardless, I think. They've now played it to the point where the math is 42 points in 41 games. So it, what was 520 hockey required is now basically down to 505 or whatever you want to call it. They're getting in. And by the way, they are four points back of the Golden Knights with two games in hand. So you win your two games in hand and you are in a dead heat for the first place spot in the Pacific Division. I don't know that you'll want first place this year, given that it probably means you're playing Calgary, Edmonton, or Colorado. But I don't know. I can't rule that a division title out for the Kraken at this point in time. So now I'll ask you this. Which performance by a Kraken player has been A, the most surprising, and B, which one's the most overlooked? Huh. Well, here's my one concern about the Kraken is they've they've really outscored a lot of their problems in net. Fair. Uh, they have 3.66 goals for per game. Goals against is 3.02, so still north of three. They don't have a goalie with a save percentage that's hit 900. So... That to me is a huge issue. Like it's it's just not playoff caliber goaltending. Like it's you're not you're not able to win games and rounds in the playoffs with that type of goaltending. At some point, the scoring just gets that much harder to do, and you can't run away from your problems. I would say what's most intriguing about the Kraken is their depth. They have 11 players that have 20 or more points this year, and they don't have a single point per game scorer. I would say the guy that season has been most overlooked is probably Jared McCann. 19 goals already um, has missed three games. So he's on track for a 40 goal season. Um, And I would say... The most impressive has been Matty Beneers. Um, I filled out my Calder ballot for the midseason awards on dailyfaceoff.com earlier this week. Our Calder winner was Matty Beneers. I voted Logan Thompson from Vegas as my number one Calder choice. Just because thinking back to the storyline of the start of the season for Vegas, there's no chance they could win with this goaltending hinging this playoff roster on that guy with that lack of experience. And so he's been really damn good, but Beneers 70 point season as a 20 year old, like he's, he's a special, special player and is such a big part of their future. Yeah. He's been really good. The, the, the unheralded guy for me is Daniel Sprong. Daniel Sprong's playing 11 minutes a night. He's got 13 goals in 34 games. Like he, he has been an unbelievable find, you know, he signed late for them. I think it came in on a PTO and then he signs the, the league minimum of 750 K and, you know, he's going to set career highs and goals this year. He's got 13 and 34. Now remember a few years ago in Washington, he came up in the second half and he scored 14 and 42, right? So he he's had this before where he, he can kind of get hot. 
Uh, yeah, I was, no I was gonna say I would expect his shooting percentage to regress, but I actually don't think that's the case because he's had another seventeen point six percent shooting percentage season, although. He's never played the full 82. So the most he's ever played in a season is 63. So I'd be curious if he hits any kind of wall at any point. Well, the other thing is that his line or when he's on the ice, they're crushing the other teams in goals for against. Like he, It gets rare to have a, a guy in your quote fourth line. Now I know he gets some power play time as well, but he scores mainly his goals five on five. And his, his minutes haven't gone up, Frank. Like he's playing 11 minutes a night. So yeah. they haven't changed. It's like, okay, buddy, we expect you to produce in limited minutes, which is extremely hard to do. Ask any player to, to really produce and 13 goals. Like this guy's on pace, Frank, to, to be a 22, 23 goal score on your fourth line playing 11 minutes a night. So the Kraken have so the Kraken have projected 3 million bucks in cap space. It's a lot. And I wonder, like, given that the goalie market is so thin, I wonder if they go get one. Like, there aren't that many teams clamoring for a goalie. That means there's going to be a bunch available that even if you could get a marginal upgrade from 895 to 905, Mm -hmm. why not? It's not going to cost you a ton. Like, you know who's had a sneaky underrated season? And obviously the sample size is super small. But we've, we've picked apart Chicago's roster. How about Alex Stalock? 13 games, 923. Oh, I know. Small it's sample size, but yes. has a, a previous track record of a number of years at the 905, 910 run that you're like, hey, this guy could do it. And it, I don't know. You know, considering that his career, you thought, you know what? Um, he was out for a long time. He had the heart issues and. You know, then he comes back. There's there's another fantastic story for him. And yeah, 923. And and you compare it because I always like to look at okay, like what's that gonna cost you? A third? Yeah, maybe. Like the, the, what's interesting though, Staylock in Chicago has started 12 games, Frank. He has a 923 save percentage and a 254 goals against 2.54. Arvid Soderblom has started 13 games. He has an 894 save percentage and 3.45 goals against. Peter Morazic has started 15 games. He has an 882 and a 4.04. So 12, 13, 15. That's that's pretty even here. We're not talking massive difference in starts. But Staylock's numbers are infinitely better behind the exact same team. Exact same team. And I'd have yeah, to he's look. Just, he's been injured, I doubt he's all. getting all of the easy starts. You know what I mean? Or and when you're in Chicago, I'm not even sure there, there are starts. no easy starts. But you know, maybe a scheduling one where oh, he gets the second when they're facing teams on the second half of a battle. No, he's just been injured. That's all. And so I think that's an easy ad for the Kraken. Yeah. So goaltending, but uh, yeah. the Kraken have really uh, um, th- they've been a massive surprise to me. Massive. Uh, surprise. We've got uh, a few more we want to get to. We're going to go a little rapid fire and some questions uh, brought to you by Montana's. This season, Montana's is bringing back the viewing party with their lineup of daily deals. You can check out the full lineup at montanas.ca. Ribs, steak, chicken wings, they have it all. And the majority of their food is smoked, prepared, grilled in-house. Certified Smoke Masters and the Grill Masters program. Check it out at Montana's. .ca, half-price wings every Monday, too, which is a big bonus. And so, Frank, we do, you know, you talk about teams that should make trades. Do they have to make trades? Like, we know some obvious ones. Like, I think there's certain teams that are like, okay, I want to push my chips in. But we're getting closer every week. Do you think the alleged ask of Jacob Chikrin, somebody meets it, or does Arizona have to lower it before the deadline? I think they're going to have to lower it and get creative. I had another full-fledged scouting report, ideal role and archetype, comparable trades and history, you know, working through Arizona and what they're asking for. That story is as part of our deadline countdown series. It's on dailyfaceoff.com. It's unprecedented. Like you look back and see what the Columbus Blue Jackets got for Seth Jones. Now, Seth Jones, I think everyone would agree, is on a different tier of defensemen, a different caliber of defensemen. 
And they got back a first-round pick, a second-round pick, and a first-round pick equivalent in Adam Bokvist, as well as a first-round pick swap. Meaning they moved up 20 spots. Yeah. That's a like that's not all that far off. And and Jones had one more season at 5.4 million. So a bargain contract. You've got Chikrin who's gonna have two and uh, let's say a quarter by deadline time. Yeah, he'll have three playoff runs. If he stays in the same place, correct. Yes. Um Is he is he on the level of Seth Jones? Like I I don't I don't think so. I think he's I think having really dug in and watched the shift by shift, season by season of of Jacob Chicker, and I spent two hours watching video. I think he's a middle pair defenseman who's has a little bit of surplus value in his contract, but not a ton. And I think as a power play guy, he's the shooter, not the facilitator. So you mm-hmm. probably need to restructure your power play so that you have someone else that's going to be the facilitator instead of the one defenseman that's out there. You either need to put a forward there that can do it or put another defenseman out there. Most teams like to go four forwards and one defenseman. Yeah, all the numbers will tell you that's the best makeup. Correct. Now. Defensively, he's average or or below average, slightly below average. Um, you watch his game closely. He he doesn't make a lot of plays and passes. He's able to be aggressive because he's a really good skater. Sometimes he's over aggressive. I, I just think when you add it all up, you're dealing with a number three on a really good team and a two on a team with their defenses thin. And so it's a lot to give up. And so my guess is if someone was going to pay the price, why wouldn't they have already, why wouldn't they have done it last year? Yes. His, his name's been out there for a calendar year or more than that. It actually goes back to 2021 that he's, that his name was out there he was really attractive in a flat cap world. And as the cap increases, I think the dimin- I think there's a diminish diminishing uh, value to the surplus that his contract provided. Does that make any sense? No, no, that's fair. The one and you could have team- had three, you could have had four playoff runs and three full years of chicken. And now it's down to two and a quarter. Yeah. The one team that, that was not rapid haven't, fire. I haven't talked about Frank. The Winnipeg Jets, of all the competitive teams, then they're competing for a division title. They have the most cap space of any team, which means they, they could, in theory, do the most acquisitions if they like at the deadline. What do you think the Jets' approach will be leading into the deadline? Well, it's hard to say because they're just getting everyone back. Like not only did they get Nick Ehlers back and it's such a huge boost, but to get four players back in one game, Hey, by the way, we're going to sub out a quarter of our roster for tonight's game. That's been a huge boost to get that team healthy. And they've still got a couple players to go uh, in Mason Appleton and, and Logan Stanley. Um, I want to see how they play when healthy is one to really make a judgment on it. And, you know, I would normally lean towards being conservative for the Jets because I think that's generally in Kevin Sheveldayoff's nature. However, I would say given that they're only going to have limited kicks with the at the can with this group, meaning Pierre-Luc Dubois is scheduled to be a restricted free agent after this season. He already said publicly he's not re-signing. Blake Wheeler will then, after this year, be entering the final year of his deal. Same with Mark Shifley. So you basically have one to two more runs, if, and that's if you're keeping everyone together, that you might as well do something to try and improve your chances. And what whatever that something is, I think, at this point remains to be seen 
and determined exactly what the edge and the hole is that they try and fill. But damn, having Connor Hellebuck really helps your team and your playoff chances. Like he enables you to go on a deep run. Well, I look at the jet. I think the jets have, uh, have five legit top six forwards and Connor Dubois, uh, Shifley Wheeler now when Ehlers is healthy. Uh, Josh Morrissey's having an incredible season, right? Like he's over a point per game on defense. You know, he's playing for, you mentioned Hellebuck in goal. If I, I, you know, I like, like, I like Dylan. I like DeMello. I like their, their depth D men. Um, you mentioned Stanley. He's just a he's huge. And I think when healthy, he, he really fills a role for your team in, in your, in your bottom four defense. I think if I'm Winnipeg, if I could find one other, like a, a scoring winger, that's what I would add if I was the Jets. I think get them. They they have one other guy. They got guys who can fill in, you know, and, and be complimentary top six guys. But if they could get another top six player at the deadline, you know, um, as a rental, because who knows? You know, you mentioned Dubois. Then you know maybe they move him. But that's that's what I think the Jets would get. And man, they could be very scary. Yeah, and, and then a depth defenseman, right? Like a Luke Shen. So, so are you looking for like him. when you look at their top six? They've got Connor Dubois Ehlers, which is a hell of a line. And then they've got Perfetti Shifley Wheeler. So you're, a, if you're in an ideal world, you're looking at taking Cole Perfetti and moving him down to the third line with Adam yes. Lowry and, yes. and properly supporting him. Is that, is that what you're yes. getting at? Yeah. Like Cole Perfetti is a young player, Frank. He's got six goals. This I agree. Season. Like, I don't think, and that's not a knock on Cole. Perfetti. No, I like, think in an ideal world, you properly support your young players and give them room to grow. Yes, and that it just adds to their depth, right? And you know, could you know Cole Perfetti's got some skill? Could he make a few key plays in a series? A hundred percent. So that's what I think the Jets should be looking for. And with all they they got the most cap space of all the competitive teams. I think they're in a good ad, advantageous spot to make an ad. I would agree. Yeah. So I uh, I like the Jets a lot. Frank, have uh, have yourself a, a wonderful weekend. We will uh, chat with you on uh, Monday, and uh, we're, we don't have our guests uh, officially announced yet, but uh, I think we're going to have a good guest, so look forward to that. We've got a few uh, balls in the air that we're juggling, so have a great weekend, and uh, we will find out, can the Avalanche get a win before Monday? Yeah, can the Kraken close out their perfect road cool. trip? And, and thanks to our sponsors at Montana's. Check out montanas.ca for their daily deals and also athletic brewing company fit for all face-offs, fit for all times. Use promo code Frank 20 for 20% off at athleticbrewing.ca. Thanks for listening to the DFO rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. 
And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.